0: here tuning in online. And my name is Jacob, I'm one of the pastors here. I wanna say thank you for being a part of uh, VLC this uh, Sunday morning. In fact, if this is your first time, we have a gift for you. And church, could we put our hands together for all of our first time guests showing up here today? You know, it's an honor. And hopefully we get to meet you and get to know you. In fact, you know, part of the thing about being in person and, and online is we know who you are, but we don't get to know who everybody is on the other side of that camera. And so you can even now in this moment, tell us who you are, tell us where you're watching from. Um, and we just wanna celebrate with you. We wanna to get to know who you are and uh, welcome you. It might be a little different. It might be a virtual hug or a virtual high five, but we still have something for you. We still wanna send you something. And so let us know. It's real simple. You can There's a link that you can click on, but um, man, God is so good. Amen. And we are a week away from... Easter celebrating um, one of the greatest things, one of the most monumental services that we do here at VLC, Easter at VLC Church. Are you ready? Are you excited? Come on, are you ready for this? And we're going to give you two options. We're going to open up the doors, open up the space, open up some of the seats for your friends and for your family and, and for your neighbors and your co-workers who have never been to church before. And this is a great service to come to because odds are they're going to go to church somewhere. Why not bring them here? Why not let them sit right next to you? Yes, I'm talking about you. Why not let them sit next to you? So bring them. We've got all those invite cards. Share our social media posts. Let's get the word out. We're doing Easter egg hunts for the kids after both of those services. And it's going to be, it's going to be an amazing. But what I want to do today on Palm Sunday, somebody say Palm Sunday, is, is talk about uh, two encounters that Jesus has on these days leading up to. Uh, the Passover leading up to the crucifixion, leading up to the resurrection. And there's two things that I want to go over, and one of them happens to happen on Palm Sunday, which would be today, and the other happens the night before. And so, if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to John chapter 12. I'm going to encourage you to jot a few things down. We're going to be reading out of John chapter 12. We're going to go to a passage in Luke, but one more time, can we pray as the Lord in his reading, which always changes and impacts us? So, Father God, we um, pray that you would teach us and shape us today well, we don't know all the answers and I certainly don't know all the answers, but what we do know is that you do. And so if we can cling on to you as long as we can, we know that we're gonna be all right. We know that it shapes us, we know that it convicts us, we know that it changes us. And would it do so in these next few moments? And as we talk about these encounters that Jesus takes, uh, has and that take place, would you be glorified would you be honored? In Jesus' name, all God's people said one last time, amen 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 i am anybody ready for lunch today um anybody have their lunch plans for next next sunday easter does anybody do like an easter spread like we do for thanksgiving Uh, my 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 in-laws they do a big easter spread and it's like they get it all out i gotta be honest it's similar to a thanksgiving spread and i'm gonna offend some people here but i just don't like thanksgiving food (laughs) just just give me some wings give me some burgers and uh and we're going to praise the Lord on his resurrection day. Uh, so um, I, I think about, you know, so much happens around the dinner table. And so this first encounter that Jesus uh, has and experiences is around the dinner table in John chapter 12, if you have your Bibles. Uh, John chapter 12, we're going to start from verse 1. I do want to uh, pardon my my voice. I was at a, a, a Brazilian church last night, believe it or not, a Brazilian church who was putting on a service for English-speaking people. I was like, man, that is so, that is so cool. And so Taylor, who was playing keys, we were there screaming and shouting and dancing. And so uh, if, I, if I tell somebody to throw me a bottle of water, just make sure you're not sick and I'll drink after you. John chapter 12, verse one, this is what it says. It says, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given to Jesus' honor, And Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. I love that. He just got his feet up and his his hands behind his head just chilling there with Jesus. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume, but one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. He said, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth at least a year's wages. And he did not say this because he actually cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. A keeper of, of the money bag, he would use it to help himself to what was put into it. And Jesus responds, leave her alone. Somebody say, leave her alone. Leave her alone, he replied. It was intended that she should give this save this perfume for the day of my burial, But you will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. So just to give you an idea of kind of where we're at in this story, I wanna give you um, what many would call as the Holy Week timeline. So the Holy Week timeline really start from today, which is Sunday, which is Palm Sunday. The the encounter that I'm talking about today actually takes place either the night before or the night before that. So Monday we have, uh, which would be tomorrow, um, he clears out the temple, starts flipping some tables. Tuesday would be the last day of his public ministry. Wednesday, there's really no record, but uh, we would assume a bunch of things are happening at that day behind the scenes. Thursday is the last supper. Friday, the crucifixion. As our pastor, my dad said, we're we're gonna talk about that for a good Friday service for you. Saturday, he's in the grave, but he's really resting in the grave. And then Sunday we have the resurrection. So this is the the last week of Jesus's life and although every single um, gospel records this, which they should be compared, um, John spends a lot of time on this. In fact, John spends over about half of his book talking about the last week of Jesus's life and what's he doing on the night before Palm Sunday? He's eating. You've got Martha preparing, you've got Lazarus reclining, and you've got here Mary sitting at her feet, pouring an entire perfume or tired pint of perfume nard i actually read that and i thought it said lard and i was like lard that's just that's just weird merit don't put any don't put any lard on my feet please but that wasn't that it was nard on his feet which you know it wasn't uncommon for you know the people to wash the guests feet but it was at a dinner table and it was expensive perfume and it was with her with her hair You know, Mary, why would you give all of that? Why would you give out a a, a pint of perfume that would cost about a year's salary? Why why would you give that to Jesus? Why would you empty it all out? Why would you pour it on on his feet? Perhaps Mary knew something that nobody else knew. Perhaps something inside of Mary was telling her that there wasn't really much time. Why show that type of devotion? Somebody say devotion. Why show that type of devotion? Why would, you, why would you honor somebody like that when, when the truth is we usually honor people like that when they're long gone? You know, isn't it interesting how we honor people, we celebrate people, um, we put them up on pedestals when they're long gone. After they have died, we then you know, build statues, we, we name buildings, we name roads after them. But why don't we, why don't we do that before? I mean, you know, maybe it's just good judgment on our end. Imagine putting up some statue of some, you know, icon or leader that we all love and honor only to find out days later there was, you know, moral failure, corrupt failure. What would we then do? You know, I remember when I was younger, there was this particular Christian band that I loved, listened to, and I'd play their music. I was all about them. And then I found out the lead singer really wasn't even a Christian. Came out and said he was faking it the whole time. Am I now going to put that man's poster on my wall? probably not. Would I take it down? Maybe. Am I, am I, am I canceling him? Certainly not. But um, imagine if, if, if maybe that's just good judgment on our end to say, you know what, before we go ahead and do all these things, before we go ahead and show all this type of devotion and honor people, um, maybe we just wait a few years because here's the truth. When you die, you can't make no more mistakes. Amen. Some of y'all are awaiting that day. But not yet. But when we come, we just know we ain't going to be sinning anymore. And so maybe that's why we, we honor, we put people on pedestals after they are gone. But what if we did not wait to honor people? What if we didn't wait for them to be long gone to honor them? You know, Paul says in Romans 12:10, he says, Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above, somebody say above. Above yourselves. That was recently at a, a church where one of my. One of my students, because I've been a student pastor for the past eight years, preached his very first time, and he gets up on this pedestal amongst all his peers, and I'm thinking, yo, now is your chance to show him what's up, and he gets up there, and he honors his peers. He calls some of them out, and he says, I'm thankful for you. You've paved the way. He actually honored me. He didn't know I was there, and he honored me. Maybe he knew I was there, but uh, that was pretty cool. Talk about getting up on a stage. You now have a platform, and what's the one thing you do? You honor. Somebody say Honor. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, I honor you today. I honor you today. What happened to this? We gotta wait till they're long gone. What happened to this? We gotta wait till they can can prove it. You know, we live in a self-centered world where the truth is it's really all about us. And, And I would love for people to get up on that stage and honor me. You would love for people to call you out. You would love for people to point you out because it really becomes about me in a self-centered world, but don't wait to honor people before it's too late. If your parents are still alive, don't wait till they're long gone. Honor them. Parents, if your kids are still in the house, don't wait till they're out of the house. Honor them. Somebody say honor. What was Mary doing? She was basically giving everything she had to Jesus because he said um, the poor will be here Forever, but I will not always be here. In fact, James 4.14 puts it this way. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist. Somebody say mist. You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. And so Mary takes out a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she pours it on Jesus' feet. She wipes it with her hair. This is the devotion to Jesus before it's too late. Perhaps she knew what was gonna happen. But but Mary was always at the feet of Jesus. I love that. She she knew, she thought, but where was she always at? You know, your nearness to God might dictate your in-tuneness with God. The closer you are to him, the more clear he's going to be. And so those who know most, those who know a lot, those who um, maybe have a lot more wisdom is because perhaps they're always at the feet of Jesus. Where are you at? Why don't you know the answers? Why don't you, you can't, you can't solve my problems. But I want to see somebody who is close and near to Jesus. That's somebody I want to follow. That's somebody who might have some wisdom on what's happening in this crazy world. Man, who are we turning to? Are we turning to to Martha, who's always working and cooking? Are we turning to Lazarus, who's reclining at the table? Or are we turning to the one person who was so close to Jesus? I believe the world needs to not turn to anything else but the church. Amen. We got to turn to the church because the church is the one who is dictating this. The church is the one who's going to give us the answers that we need. And so I'm I'm going to Mary. Why? Because Mary's at the feet of Jesus. Mary probably knows this. Well, here's what happens. This is interesting because as Mary humbles herself and, 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 and she lays any glory that she may have had at the feet of Jesus, something happens. And how many know that everybody has an opinion about something? In fact, do I have anybody like me who's very opinionated about a lot of things? And uh, you know what I've, I've learned when I'm opinionated? Um, just put it on a Google review for a company. I have, some, I have, some, uh, a, I have a lot of traffic on my Google reviews. Let's just, let me just say that. I don't have a big following. But I have a traffic on, it's weird. I got a I following on my Google reviews because I'm very opinionated. And so I want to say something about everything. My wife knows this. Now, I don't always say things. But when I do, I just put it on a Google review. And so every place I go to, they send me some type of you know, notification. How was your experience? I'm gonna tell them how my experience was. I'm gonna tell them. Now, if it's a bad experience, I pray about it. And then the next day I write it because it's a little different than I would have written you know, that moment. But most of my reviews are positive because I wanna tell people how it was. But as soon as you start to step out and do something, here come the critics. Here come the hecklers. Here come the opinionated people that have something to say about everything you do. Who, who's the heckler here? Judas. Judas. Judas is the heckler. But it says this in verse four. Look at with me in John twelve verse four. It says, "But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a." Years' wages, isn't it interesting that as soon as we start to live bold in our faith, as soon as we start to step out and do the spiritual things, as soon as we start walking in God and living bold, everybody has something to say. Now somebody's coming at you saying, you don't have to do all those things. Yo, Mary, chill. You don't actually have to pour all of that out. Yo, Mary, you don't have to be so spiritual all the time. Ain't nobody gonna like you. Nobody's gonna wanna hang around you. Isn't that true? When you step out and start living bold for Jesus, it's like everybody else doesn't want anything to do with you. And then they start judging you. And even the Christians, I found that most, most, most cases, it's the ones who step out in faith. All the other Christians are like, man, you, you, don't always have to bring your, you don't always have to bring your Bible. You don't always have to be taking notes. You don't always have to be worshiping in church. Just Just chill for a little bit. You know what I would say to that person? Same thing Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. (laughs) Let me worship, let me read, let me scream because I am excited about Jesus. You can't take that away from me. So I'm gonna live bold and yeah, people are gonna say something but how do you respond to those people? So we have Mary who's living bold for Jesus. She's doing all of these things. She's pouring out everything she has and all of a sudden people who um, aren't big fans of her living boldly gotta say something and now we start to question Well, you know what? Why am I getting all this judgment? Why am I not doing all these things that I wanted to do or gaining all these things? Where are the blessings in living bold? Where is the reward in living bold? And now I start to compromise. And now I start to to even sin. Now I start to walk away like many people of the faith have because we've lost all of our friends. But church, listen to this. Living for Jesus doesn't always get the applause of men, but it will get the approval of God. Living for Jesus doesn't always get the applause of, you know, all your friends and, you know, all the people around you, but it does get the approval of God. And that's the only thing that we need. That's the only thing we're supposed to be going after. That's the only thing that we're supposed to obtain. If I can end my life one day and God says, well done, my good and faithful servant. But Jesus, nobody liked me. Everybody judged me. Everybody persecuted me. Jesus would say, well done, my good and faithful servant. We're not seeking applause from anybody. We are seeking the approval of God. I mean, what did you think was gonna happen? Everybody was gonna all of a sudden accept you and, and start liking you and start following you. Man, this guy's on fire for God. Let's go ask him some questions, no. That's not usually what happens. You know, Paul says in Galatians 1.10, he says, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people, if I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. People will try and stop you and that should be a good thing, church. If you got the hecklers, if you got the criticism, if you got the opinionated people trying to, trying to reel you back in to, to, to you know, more of a calm Christianity, um, then, then, uh, then that's a good thing. Give yourselves a a, a pat on the back. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Because if you are not doing anything for the kingdom, then guess what? The enemy wants nothing to do with you. If you're not doing anything for God, if you're not doing anything for the church, if you're not doing anything for the kingdom, then the enemy isn't going to bother you. He's going to let you just do your own thing. Keep doing it. They ain't doing nothing. They ain't advancing nowhere. They're just going to live like they're going to live. But this man over here who's living bold, this woman over here who's living bold, giving everything, sacrificing everything, yo, where are my demons at? Let's go get her. Let's go get them. And so when you start living boldly for God, all of a sudden, now you have the hecklers. Now you have the the Judas Iscariot who comes at you and says, which by the way, Jesus in in John chapter 6 verse 7, he actually calls him a, a devil. So you're gonna have some some devils coming after you, you're gonna have the enemy coming after you, and maybe there's good reasoning too. Why would you give up everything, Mary? Why would you pour the whole entire pint at his feet? You you could have stored some over here, you could have invested some over here, you could have placed some over here, you could have spread some over here. Why'd you have to give it all? And to be honest, the disciples probably could have believed that as well. You know, he's, he's actually got a good point. We could have spread this out and done some more damage for the kingdom. We just emptied it at the feet of Jesus. And then what Jesus said to the rich young ruler when the ruler came and said, I have everything and I've obeyed all my commands, but um, how can I inherit eternal life? And what did Jesus say? Sell it all to the poor. That could have been easily Jesus' response in this scenario. Mary, um, stop what you're doing. Uh, you know, we could have given this all to the poor, but what does Jesus says? He says, leave her alone. You know, can I just stop for a moment and say this, that I think many of us, we've got some demons in our lives. We have uh, um, a lot of, we've got a lot of issues in our lives. We've got a lot of things and people trying to attack us. And it would just be real nice for Jesus to show up and tell those demons, tell the enemy to leave us alone. Come on. How many received that this morning? I wish that I just, I just, Jesus just show up and just shout at some people because I need to get them off my back. I don't know if I can do this anymore. I certainly need some help. I just wish Jesus would show up, look that Judas Iscariot in the face and say, leave her alone. And that's what he does. And Judas is like, what does he say? I'm out of here. And, and we, we know what Judas ends up doing. But Jesus replies, he says, this was intended that she would save this perfume of the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Mary, what she did blessed her, it blessed Jesus, and it blessed everything in and around her. It goes on to say this in chapter 12, verse 3. I'm going to go back for a second. It says, when she dumped the pint of perfume, it said the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. It, was, it filled the whole room. should have. That, that was a pint of that thing. I mean, anybody have essential oils in their house? <laughs> anybody crazy essential oil people out there? I ain't bashing it. But I ain't, you know, whatever. My wife puts one drop of essential oils in anything in our household, and I pull up in the driveway, and I can smell that stuff. I can't imagine what damage a whole pint of that stuff can do. Imagine what it could change. Imagine what it could start impacting. When you give everything to God, it tends to go everywhere. Am I right? When you give everything, ultimately what you're saying is, God, I can't manage this better than you can I can't delegate this better than you can. I can't invest this better than you can. And I certainly can't do more than you can. So I'm gonna give it to you and I'm gonna trust God that he is going to change it. And when you give it to God, when you give him your best, when you give him your all, it not only changes you, but it changes everything around you. Everything. What Mary did is still happening today. What Mary did is still being talked about today. You know, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things, you know, seek first. God, I give you all that I have, all that I do, all that I have inside of me. And I know that you will grow it. Not me. Man, if we think that we're gonna change everything, if we think that we're gonna change people, if we think that it's by our doing and our resources that's gonna all of a sudden start to grow the kingdom of God, I think we are fooling ourselves. because Paul was having this issue. Many who were like, we love Paul. And then there were other people that were like, we love Apollos. He goes on to say, you know, I planted, Apollos watered, but it is God who gives the growth. Amen? It is God who gives the growth. And so anything that I have, Anything that I can do, if I can give it to God, then odds are it's going to grow a lot faster and it's going to do a lot more damage. You can write this down. Our efforts apart from God's blessing will not last. Our efforts apart from God's blessing will not last. So Mary's act still has an effect today. It's why we see people naming their daughters Mary. Right? You don't see anybody named Judas. Although I have a son named Judah and I had somebody come up to me and they were like, Jacob. I can't believe you named your son after the disciple that betrayed Jesus. And in that moment I thought I could biblically correct her but I decided to use it as a teaching moment and I said, man, um, everybody has a second chance. Let's take the name of Judah back. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I probably should have biblically corrected her because she was like probably thinking that Judah is the one that betrayed Jesus, Judas. But it's interesting, I think of passages like Proverbs 10, seven, the memory of the just is blessed, but the name of the wicked shall rot. It's good to have a good name. It's good to have a name like Mary. And so God, I pray that I can be like Mary, that I will not wait to give you my best. I pray that I can be like Mary, that I will give you my all and trust that you will do more than I can do. And I certainly do not want to wait. I want to I live sacrificially with everything that I have, Amen. This encounter is so impactful, it's impacting us today. But what what happens the next day? And so here's where I wanna go to the next passage in John chapter 12, verse 12. This is the entrance now. This is when people are knowing and hearing that Jesus is around and Jesus is doing things. And so they're asking the question like, when is Jesus coming? And so here we find ourselves in verse 12. It says, the next day, somebody say the the next day. The next day, the great crowd that, had come for the festival, heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. And they took palm palm branches and they went out to meet him shouting, somebody say Hosanna. Blessed. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and said on it, as it is written, do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. See your king is coming seated on a donkey's colt. And at first his disciples did not understand all of this. And only after Jesus was glorified did they realize these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. So this is, this is it went from an encounter at, at, at a dinner party, a nice, peaceful, quiet dinner party in Bethany and all the introverts said, yes. Then it went to this noisy, loud, giant parade in Jerusalem and all the extroverts yelled, yes. This is what's going on. Jesus is now in two different scenarios, two different scenes, this triumphal entry. The King of Kings is finally here. Everybody's freaking out. People are wondering when's he coming? When's he coming? I think I can see him. He—he's on some chariot. He's on some horse. He's on a donkey. Somebody grab the palm, friends. Grab the palm branches. I love that. It's like somebody grab a tree. Jesus is coming. Of course, that you know that palm branch meant a lot. It was symbolism for um, you know triumph. It was symbolism for victory. You know, it—it it, it had purpose. For the Jewish faith, and so that's why people were grabbing, you know, uh, palm branches, shouting, "Hosanna! Save us!" You know, this is the moment where Jesus enters in as a king, and you know, it's really the only public demonstration of this that our Lord allowed while ministering to um, his people on earth. But I I wanted to be clear, you know, that what these people were shouting and what they were thinking and what they were assuming was not what Jesus was bringing. You know, the, the, the prophecy was fulfilled. Zechariah 9, 9, rejoice greatly. Daughter of Jerusalem, see your king comes, righteous. Somebody say victorious, victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey. You know, it was more common for the king or the ruler or the, you know, winner of the battle would be riding in on a chariot, not a, not a donkey. And they would shout, Hosanna, save us. And here Jesus is walking into this crowd who is assuming that Jesus is going to save them from uh, perhaps a political salvation, but uh, they're thinking he's going to be their new governor and their new authority and they're going to be freed from the Romans. And Jesus wasn't bringing a political salvation. He was bringing a spiritual salvation. He was wanting to free them of their sins, not from their bondage to the Romans. And so I, I think as Jesus came, and this is why he cried, he, he comes in and here he is on this donkey and people are shouting and shouting. And I want to just tell you about this crowd for just a moment. You know, it was uh, years ago when my wife took me to a Miami Heat game and I got to witness LeBron James beat the Charlotte Bobcats, now Hornets, and he scored 61 points. And it was, it was like, it was incredible, amazing. We were, every time I jumped up, I hit the, the, the back of the wall because that's how high our seats were. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but it was so cool. You know, I could, I could barely see him, but you know, I, I could see them. And uh, I was thinking of just the, the crowd that is there. You know, this is long ago when LeBron James left his hometown team where he could not win. And he, he joined forces with the best of the best. And everybody was upset. And everybody was mad. We all know who LeBron James is. He's a basketball player um, who's better than Michael Jordan. And everybody's just cheering him on. And uh, I, may, I may have offended somebody. Don't tune me out, all right? Um, I may, uh, you know, everybody's cheering him on. People who, who are Miami Heat fans love him. People who are LeBron James fans love him. I happen to be both, but then everybody else just hates him. Nobody likes that guy who leaves the team that loses and joins the team that wins. And so in, in a crowd of, of a game like this, you've got people cheering, people screaming, people going crazy, and then you've got the people booing, right? You've got the people who are upset. Now, I'm in no way comparing LeBron James to uh, Jesus, although he does have the chosen one tattoo on his back and they do refer to him as the king. But that's not, I'm just giving us an idea, a picture of what it would look like for Jesus to walk into a crowd, right? You've got three different types of people. You've got those who are here for Passover. This was important for those of the Jewish faith. They would attend the Holy Week. They would be there. They're anticipating, is this guy Jesus gonna show up? How crazy would that be? And then you've got those who are there who just witnessed Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. My gosh, did you see this miracle? I gotta show up and see that guy do something else. I gotta follow him. Where's he at? Checking their phones on Twitter. Where's he gonna be? Checking his notifications. Where's he gonna be? I wanna be there. And then you, of course, have the the righteous and the the, the elite, the Pharisees, the religious leaders who are um, a a little unsettled right now because uh, the disruptance that's gonna happen at the feast if Jesus' presence is known. And so you've got three types of crowds, people shouting, people screaming, and then you've got the booze. Then you've got the eyes. You know, in fact, these religious leaders told people, if you find Jesus, report to us so we can arrest him. This is what's happening to this crowd. People are, people are going crazy. The anticipation that Jesus is coming, here he comes, Everybody grab a palm, Fran. We got to make this happen. It was a a five-year-old Annie who happened to miss Palm Sunday one year because she was sick. Dad comes home with a palm branch. And Annie says, Dad, where'd you get that palm branch? Well, well, let me tell you, uh, when Jesus came in on the colt, everybody laid palm branches down. So that's when we got a palm branch. And Annie says, great. The one Sunday I, I missed, Jesus shows up and offers pony rides. You know, the, the, the anticipation of, I, I can't miss this. I gotta be there. I can't miss this this Sunday because I gotta, I, gotta, I gotta be there for Jesus walking in. His presence is gonna be known. The anticipation, the entrance, this was something that nobody wanted to miss. Those who were for him, those who were against him, and even the one who had him on him. Yes, I'm talking about the donkey. Now, I know some translations refer to it you know, it is a cult, but regardless, Matthew says both. We're not going to argue about which one he actually came riding on. All that we know, there was a donkey involved. And so I'm going to go to Luke chapter 19, if you have your Bibles. Luke chapter 19 gives us some donkey insight of uh, this entrance of uh, Jesus into Jerusalem. And he says in verse 29, Luke chapter 19, I'm reading from the NIV. It says, as he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, somebody say two, two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden, untie it, and bring it to me. And if anybody asks you, why are you untying? You say, the Lord needs it. I mean, that's a naming and right there, right? Walking to a store, I need that. Why are you stealing that? Because the Lord said that I need that. <laughs> Please don't do that. That's not what I'm saying. That this is this is taking Scripture out of context. All right. This is not a name and claimant gospel. And so, verse 32. So they went ahead and they, they found it just as he had told them. And they were untying the colt. And the owner was like, "Why are you untying the colt?" And they replied, "Because the Lord needs it." And this brought them to Jesus. And they threw their clothes on the coat on the colt and they put Jesus on it. Go and. Fetch me my ride. I love this. I think that's just so cool. Jesus is like, who can clearly walk on water and could probably get to anywhere, any anytime, place. He's like, I need a donkey. And uh, you too, go fetch me a donkey. Where do you want me to get a donkey? It's, it's at a house and it's tied up and uh, the owners aren't gonna give you any issues. Sure, sure. <laughs> I'm like questioning, like, um, I, am, am I gonna face any opposition as I steal their... You know, they're animal from them. Um, imagine it was like, hey, hey, I need you to go to this house and I have my car there. I need you to bring it. It's actually not my car, but the keys are somewhere. Um, Can you grab it for me? Uh, no. Um, what's going to happen to me? Am I going to be safe? Is this, is this okay? And I love, there's no hesitation, the disciples. I think I love that about scripture. So, so much of what Jesus commanded uh, many people to do, It was it was like, yeah. There was no questioning. There was no concern. There was no well, God, lay out the plan first. You know, show me all the details first. And I always say this, if God gave you all the details, you might not show up. And so he just says, go fetch the donkey, go fetch my ride, and then come back, and you're not gonna have any issues. And so they go, and they bring the donkey back. And I just think this is this is so interesting because um, I think many of us would... would uh, would assume that um, we would need more of an explanation. We would need more of a reasoning to do something like that. And, you know, is this like GTA? Are we just stealing people's vehicles and then bringing them back to Jesus? Like, I'm I'm gonna get caught. I'm gonna get in trouble. But I love this because here's the truth. Jesus could have got, got that donkey himself. But Jesus invites us to be part of the greatest story. Amen? He invites us to be part of this story. He invites us to participate and and this isn't something we have to do this is something that we get to do church i get to participate in the greatest story ever i get to go off and bring back to jesus what he needs that's going to get him to where he needs to get to i get to be part of that how many are excited that you get to be part of the greatest story ever man how many are you thankful come on i want to hear a shout of praise that i am thankful that i get to i don't have to I'm not being forced to. If I was forced, then I couldn't love. But I, I, I get to be a part of this. Go get, um, go get my ride. And so the disciples, they go and they get their ride. And, and, and I just wonder, this is crazy, because I think so, so many times we would view Scripture as some ancient artifact or some ancient scroll that really doesn't apply to culture today. But just, just for a moment, would you imagine with me that Jesus is saying, I need you to go and fetch me what I need, because there is a story to be told and I need you to be part of it. Are you on board? Are you ready? Because there are people. There are those who are far gone. There are those who just don't know. There are those who just are unsure. And you get to, you get to bring them to me. You get to bring them to this place. It's, it's real simple. And, and, and maybe in church world, you know, maybe you've heard this word before, um, divine appointments. You ever heard that before? Divine appointments. It's like I showed up to this place and all of a sudden this, this crazy thing happened. I just heard this story. My friend texted me. You know when your friends text you something that's like a book? you are like, I will get to it next week. But I finally got to it and it was this crazy divine opportunity. It, would, it was a divine moment. It was, it was a preordained moment that God put in place where somebody's life was changed. Not even changed. Somebody's life was saved from death. Crazy story. But I think so many times we go back to our lives and we think, man, remember that one time I was just at the right place at the right time? I said the right thing and everything was like, whoa, it's crazy. A divine opportunity, a divine appointment where God is saying, all I need you to do, they're, 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 they're waiting. They're ready. They're just waiting for somebody to talk to them about Jesus. They're just waiting for somebody to just make that connection. They're just waiting for somebody to take that Easter invite and say, I want to invite you to the greatest story that is being told. I want to invite you to the one thing that's going to bring you hope, the one thing that's going to change your life forever. I want to invite you. What's the worst we're going to get? No, no thanks. That's okay. But what if there was one person at your workplace, one person in your neighborhood That Jesus is saying, I need you to go over there because there is a story to be told and and you get to be a part of it and I want them to be a part of it as well. What if God is saying, I just need you to take something like this. I just need you to share something and it's it's gonna happen. It's gonna be very clear. A conversation is gonna start. And I think that we'll find that God is doing so much more than we ever could think of or imagine If we just step out and have some confidence and say, you know what, I'm going to share. I'm going to tell. And and church, I'm going to do it without hesitation. I'm going to do it without hesitation because I don't need all the details because if I had all the details, then um, I might not want to do it. If I knew where I was going or or if I knew what it was going to look like, I just might not want to do it. Go get the donkey. It's going to be a part of the greatest story that's going to be told. And the story is gonna continue to be told forever and ever. My prayer is real simple, it's two prayers. As we celebrate this Palm Sunday and this Holy Week and we're getting ready to, to, to talk about um, you know, the Passover, we're gonna get ready to talk about Good Friday and what that looked like. I know it's hard to watch, but sometimes it's necessary to see the pain that he took for you. And then, uh, of course, we, we mourn on that Saturday As many were unsure if Jesus was ever gonna come back, if the prophecy was gonna be fulfilled, if he was who he said he was. But then Sunday comes around, and here Jesus is at, where he at, not in the tomb, he's just walking around. And we get to celebrate that. My prayers today are really, really simple. It's two prayers. One, God, would you make me like Mary? Would I give sacrificially, and would I do it now and not wait? i'm not talking about money i'm just talking in general would would i just give myself to you would i give my all to you now before it's too late because you do not know when your last day is nor do you know when somebody else's last day is so god i like mary am gonna give it all i don't care about the naysayers i don't care about the critics i don't care about the, the hecklers i don't care about that or the opposition i'm gonna give and i'm gonna live boldly for you and my second prayer is that we would be like the disciples that we would do something that's out of the ordinary this week, that, that many would oppose, that many would probably question, but you know what, I'm gonna do it because I know Jesus has asked me to do it. I'm gonna live boldly in my workspace. I'm gonna live boldly in my neighborhood. I'm gonna live boldly at my house. I'm gonna pray at dinner when I'm out in a restaurant. I'm gonna do something that's crazy that's gonna get people you know, questioning me. They're gonna call me a freak, but that's all right because I'm a Jesus freak and I don't care. And people need to hear this and so I'm gonna live like I've never lived before and I'm gonna do it and I'm certainly not gonna wait would you all stand at this time father we thank you this morning we just worship you and God I know many of us have probably a lot of baggage that we have brought into this place many of us have um, a, a lot of issues that we're bringing into this place and well we probably have a lot of questions still I've certainly not answered everything maybe I answered one thing I don't know But Lord, what we do know is that all your answers are here. And so would we stop searching and and asking in the wrong places and would we go to the right place? Your word that's gonna change us, that's gonna shape us, that's gonna convict us. Lord, would we be like Mary who lives sacrificially? Would we be like Mary who gives all of it? Not concerned about the times, not concerned about the sacrifices, but gives because you are here in our presence. And God, would we go without hesitation like the disciples? And would we invite people in to be a part of the greatest story ever told? Well, that's what we pray today. That's what we ask today. And with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, and for those online, anybody watching, if you don't know who Jesus is, or maybe you're far from God, or maybe you think that it's over and it's too late, well, can I give you some good news? It's never too late. Jesus has a plan for your life. He's got a purpose for your life. He wants to do great things in your life. He wants to pull you out of bondage. He wants to pull you out of enslavement. He wants to bring you to a better place, to a place that glorifies Him, to a place that is fully dependent on Him, where you don't have to rely on yourself anymore. You don't have to rely on your own doings or your own abilities, but you can trust in the one thing that's going to make you, make you one day in eternity with God, living forever. That's what's going to happen. If you would just say, God, you know what, I've made a lot of mistakes. And I'm certainly in need of you. Would you come into my life? And if that's you this morning, would you pray this prayer with me? If that's you watching it online, would you pray this prayer with me? Would you say, Heavenly Father, come into my life. Change me from the inside out. Make me a new person, a new creation. Forgive me of my sin. Today, I will serve you. Today, I will love you for the rest of my life. Today I am your child, and you are my father. And everybody said in one loud voice, amen. Can we put our hands together for anybody who made that decision today? Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe, living God's way everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.